at Space Waves along with Michael Vincent. Welcome back, everybody. Cold up in space, man. We were looking this up during the other conversations. It's negative 454.81 Fahrenheit. Yeah, that's that's like (laughs) 2.7 Calvin. Yeah, well, something like that. I don't know. I didn't make it that far. Adams, Adams, stop moving. That's cold. You know who probably (laughs) did make it that far in math, though, is our next guest is Justin Baird. He's vice president and head of innovation for Asia Pacific at DHL. And he's actually got an incredible background. In fact, as an audio guy, I keyed in on this. He began his career, right, working with uh, Dolby and speaker systems. Great background, Justin. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, I noticed um, you had a bit of a background in audio as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, atoms work the same in copper cables as they do um, when they're almost near zero Kelvin. So, um, yeah, maybe there's a few things that are common between sound and space, but I'm not sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And space waves as well. Well, introduce yourself really quick to the audience here. Yeah, yeah sure, absolutely. So um, I'm actually here with you guys uh, from Singapore. So it's about 11.40 p.m. here, and um, I'm, I'm basically just the most super enthusiastic person about space logistics at DHL. So I've kind of gotten nominated as the, as the go-to man when it comes to this, and I've been kind of uh, perfecting some of the expertise in those areas. So, yeah, um, I'm uh, the head of innovation for the Innovation Center based here in Singapore. We have one in Chicago near you guys um, and then one in Germany as well. Um, so I'm basically focused on bringing emerging technology solutions into the industry. Well, so we're looking wow. at this great sign behind you, DHL Innovation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is, is this your passion project? Because when we, when we hear about DHL, we don't really think about rockets. So is this kind of a behind-the-scenes thing? Let us in on it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, every two years, DHL puts together what we call the trend radar. So it's a, a two-year research project that goes through all the different trends that are going to be impacting the industry. And we kind of put this on a radar where we kind of look at, let's say, things that are going to impact your business right now. Uh, maybe in a couple of years, and then like five to 10 years from now. So actually, uh, this year, a couple of very interesting things have come on to that. One of them is space logistics, and the other one is quantum computing. Um, both of these, you might think, are very advanced technologies for what may, might be happening typically in the logistics industry. But, you know, every day, people are trying to solve problems that you can't solve with regular computers, right? We look at the traveling salesman problem. This is something that supercomputers can't solve today. So quantum computers might be able to help with that, of course, in the future as they get more developed. Same thing with space logistics. People think of space logistics as uh, something that's way off in the future, but you look at um, what we saw in the keynote today, um, we're talking about having the first woman and, of course, men on the moon in 2024. That's not that far away. And if you want to make that happen in space, there's a lot of things that have to happen on the ground to make that possible. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And we, we talk about this new space sector, right? So, uh, Jason, how, how is this something that is changing really uh, logistics and creating new opportunities for companies like DHL? Yeah, it's creating, it's creating very interesting opportunities. Now, I mean, when we talk about kind of from our trend radar perspective, we see this kind of being an impact across the industry over the course of the next, you know, let's say five to 10 years. But in certain sectors of the industry, this is already happening. So, for example, our um, global freight guys, the DGF uh, group within um, our, you know, different business units, those guys have already been transporting satellites. And actually, one of the most interesting things we're doing right now is we're just in the process. I think the satellite is actually in um, transport right now from Milan, Italy, from a company named Deorbit. So Deorbit is taking their um, satellite, this ION uh, microsatellite carrier, we're helping them bring this to Cape Canaveral. It's going to be launched quite soon. 
So there's actually a lot of things that are happening in the logistics industry already that are a part of the things that happen with regards to space logistics. You know, and you just kind of touched on it there. We have to move all these parts on the ground right here on Earth yeah. before they can even go up into space. And you're talking about with satellites, some very specialized, expensive equipment. How does DHL get involved in that? And how do you, you know, how do you be the uh, the preferred carrier for that type of freight? Yeah, it is very. Def- it's definitely very challenging. It requires very specialized uh, requirements for the fact of, like, you know, the sensitivity of the um, instrumentation. Um, but what's very interesting is, you know, we see that happening now. So, for example, with um, the deorbit, I've just got some notes in for me. I want to make sure I get the name right. Um, it's called the Ion Satellite Carrier. So the Ion Satellite Carrier is actually a shipment that we're taking to Cape Canaveral. They're going to be putting microsatellites on it, and this one device is going to go into space, and then it's going to be able to actually deploy microsatellites um, that are inside of um, the satellite carrier. Uh, what's interesting about that, too, is, you know, we have a big uh, focus on sustainability. We were talking about sustainability um, ju- a few people just before as well. And really, I think a big component of the sustainability piece is what we can do to get rid of space debris. And lots of space debris is satellites that don't work anymore. So that's another amazing thing that might be happening with things like the Orbit's um, uh, platform is it could actually collect things and bring them back afterwards as well. Um, so there's many different things that go into it. And I think um, it's really just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to bringing those things to market. Well, that's interesting. I mean, collecting space debris is is something that we need to talk about quite a bit. Mark Weiss talked about, you know, Oscar, which was using the waste and stuff like that. And we've got a lot of people in the discussion talking about environment, uh, you know, the environmental concerns, space environmentalists, I guess you could call it that type of stuff. But um, it's interesting to hear about those advancements and what you're talking about, those technologies and carrying those sensitive equipments. How does that or has that helped uh, DHL achieve um, advanced? in other areas with that? Um, I mean, it has. It, uh, in some respects, it has. What, what I guess I see is the kind of future in this area is, um, it's actually something I hope I don't get his name um, uh, wrong when I say uh, Yusuke, or Yusuke, who was just on before, mm-hmm. who was talking about manufacturing in space. I think this is where we're going to see some huge, significant um, opportunities in terms of logistics and bringing manufacturing to space. Um, right. So, for example, I, I've worked with NASA on a project a few years ago, but I got an opportunity to meet a guy um, who was at NASA who was building miniaturized robots, not the kind of arms that we saw um, Yusuke talking about, but literally robots that were able to weld in space. Um, and if you could think about you could take instead of making something really fragile and getting it into a um, and yeah, surviving the eight minutes to get up past the G-forces, if you just take the raw materials up there and you can manufacture in space, that's when this whole space logistics thing is going to turn into a completely different um, aspect of the industry. And certainly we see that that's the kind of thing that will happen within the next five or ten years. You know, you mentioned it as space environmentalist, but we talk about all this junk that is mm-hmm. already up in space, adding more up in space. How do you and, you know, when you when we look at what we do here on Earth, we don't tend to take, you know, sustainability very seriously until things start getting very bad. You know, there's a lot of smog yeah, right, in the sky right. or, you know, fish start showing up with uh, Coke rings around their neck. Exactly. Um, how do we make sure space doesn't get to that point? Um, well, there's actually already fish in space that have Coke rings around their neck, but um, that's a different story. <laughs> So, yeah, literally there are like I think there's um, there's currently tracked like literally hundreds of thousands of objects um, that are in space. Most of them consider space debris because, you know, they might be actual debris, but they might also be um, satellites that are not uh, currently being used. And so I think this is actually one of the most important things that we could do in terms of making space um, a really, let's say, successful industry in the future is by 
cleaning this kind of mess up in the process of making this happen because when we actually get materials into space, we have an opportunity again to bring them back. You know, as Mark was saying, they usually put, let's say, um, waste into um, the, the uh, containers that might then get burned up in the atmosphere as it comes back. And I think that's really a key point as well as to think that there, it's really important for us to have a sustainable environment so that we don't make the same mistakes we made um, on Earth and we're in the middle of cleaning all that up, we should make sure that we um, have that type of environment. It's almost like we should have an Antarctic treaty, you know, the way that the Antarctic treaty works, where um, you're, you know, every country can go um, and, and explore uh, Antarctica and research there, but they have to take everything back with them. And I think that that same type of uh, premise needs to be um, done across um, uh, what happens with space logistics, too. So we're talking about all this stuff and, and, and the logistics of space and manufacturing in space, et, et cetera, uh, mining the moon. Um, sure. But uh, so the space logistics hit your DHL trend radar really for the first time this year, early, earlier this year. But how long do you think it'll be till this really becomes like a, a real opportunity or, or, or realistic? Yeah, so I mean, I guess from my perspective, uh, so there's two, two, two points here I might make. One is that we've conservatively put this on our trend radar to say that it's something that will impact the industry in the next five to 10 years. Um, I'm a kind of a little bit of a less conservative person. I also think that um, humans are really good at predicting things linearly and not exponentially. Um, and so I think that that's actually going to see an impact in our industry much sooner. As I mentioned, you know, we see these things happening with, let's say, more exclusive contracts, a little bit less um, of the type of, uh, let's say, uh, let's say, private contracts that might be happening um, when things get to a bit next level commercialization. But what's interesting is I think that we'll see this actually impact our industry very soon. And I think I wanted to actually quote, like, you know, Robert Jacobson, um, uh, I've read his book, and there's some really amazing things in there. So I definitely highlight that for anybody who's interested in new space, they should check out his book. But um, I'll tell you on page 480, I have a note here. <laughs> um, on page 480, there's this awesome company called Astro Digital. Um, I should say right now, I have no in, I have no financial interest or investments in Astro Digital. <laughs> I'm just saying that I think that what they're doing is really cool. Um, they have this, it's a new space startup, and they're literally talking about a mission as a service, right? So essentially providing a full turnkey mission to a customer, including the regulatory licensing, the logistics, the infrastructure that comes with operating a satellite. And I think... Those are the type of things that we're going to see hitting this industry sooner than we might expect them to. Well, mm. folks, and if you want to win that book, too, just go to live.freightwaves.com and register. We're giving away three copies of that at the end of this event. And if you want that awesome shirt Michael Vincent's wearing, go to swag.freightwaves.com. You know, we talked about uh, bringing stuff back, right? Not leaving yeah. our junk up there. But what about the other stuff we want to bring back, the valuables? Some of the reasons we're going up there to mine. Autumn in the comments asks, are the resources of space harvest first come, first serve? Is there anything stopping someone from, I guess, launch, aside from technology, from launching a space miner up there and bringing back whatever they want? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess this is maybe my personal opinion on this, but I think that what happens in space kind of needs a United Nations of some sort. Maybe we need to call it like, you know, the United, Pla United Planets Association. I'm not sure. But um, I think we need to actually make sure that these type of things um, are not, um, let's, say, let's, let's just say, just stripped out of um, anything and kind of any commercial um, opportunity coming out of that. Again, I think that is the type of conversation which is very far away because we're not really at that level of sophistication of actually being able to go out to, for example, an asteroid and, and mine things. Um, I think the way that things are going to go to Mars as, as well as to the moon, um, that's going to be a much uh, that's going to be a well-regulated scenario because, you know, it, it, uh, as we've heard earlier in some of the broadcast, um, you know, we, we there's still a very high um, uh 
uh, fiscal requirement to be able to get uh, into space. So, I mean, those type of things are being quite well regulated. But I do think that we should um, consider space not, we shouldn't be space cowboys. Um, I think we need to uh, make sure that what we're going to do is not damage um, things outside of our planet in the process of going out there and in, in the exploration process. That's a good thing to hear that there's such good planning and, and concern about that type of stuff. There's been an argument or discussion going back and forth on the comments about, uh, you know, disrupting the gravitational pull dance that the Earth and the moon have together. And it would take quite a change in mass, I would imagine. But we're conscious of that type of thing, which is really good. Um, a little bit off topic is uh, Jose uh, Noea asks, is it true that we're going to the moon to mine blue cheese because we're at a severe shortage on, in, on, on Earth? Can you speak to that? <laughs> um, well, actually, um, little does Jose know, but I'm actually a blue cheese expert. No, I'm just totally kidding. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Uh, I think that there's only a few veins of cheese um, that are growing in, in on the moon, but we've yet to discover them, although there is some theory that comes from, um, I think it might be Walt Disney. Um, that, uh, there is, is, um, uh, existing on mo- on the moon that we might be able to mine, but um, I don't know if that's the that's the uh, most uh, financially. Uh, that's not going to produce the best ROI. I think. <laughs> Excellent. Thank well, you for hey, that. Hey, be sure to go to live.freightwaves.com, Jonathan. Check out some of the comments here. Someone is asking how they get involved with you and STEM research and others. They have some uh, their own projects going along. So um, awesome stuff. Let's build a, a great community around this. Before I let you go, you said you were at a logistics a space logistics conference last week. Uh, in about 30 seconds, just summarize the biggest takeaway from there. Oh, yeah. So um, uh, that was actually the launch of our trend radar, the fifth edition of it. And so we focused on space logistics. We actually had some people from NASA as part of that, as well as Robert Jacobson speaking. And really the kind of outcome of that is to say that we see a lot of opportunity when it comes to space and the logistics that are associated with space. There's a lot of stuff that's going to happen both terrestrial and extraterrestrial to make that achievable. Um, And I think that really the opportunity, you know, business is going to be a huge opportunity in space, and it's going to hit us as an industry sooner than we're expecting. And so I think that that's the most important thing that people could take away from this is to keep an eye on what's happening in space logistics. Um, and, you know, as you said, there's so many interesting questions that are happening in this space and like with Mark um, and with NASA and all that, and it's just going to get even more interesting in the future. So, you know, thank you very much for having me on. Justin Beard, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate you joining us. Coming up next is going to be geopolitical and security concerns of commercializing space with Kevin Hill and Denisa Scott. Stick around right now and don't forget to register for that book.